Welcome everyone to the Grace Eaters Anonymous podcast for compulsive eaters. If you've got a problem with food, maybe we can help you. Today's episode tackles a big question. Am I a compulsive eater? How would I know if I was? Is there a 12-step program that could help me? Well, I'm Carla and I am a compulsive eater and a bulimic and I've been free of these behaviors since I joined Grace Eaters Anonymous 15 years ago. In Gray Sheeters Anonymous, we weigh and measure our food from the Gray Sheet Food Plan, work with a sponsor, eat three meals a day with nothing in between, we attend meetings, and support each other one day at a time. Our food plan isn't a diet, though. It doesn't end when we hit our goal weight or fit into a certain dress. Together, we continue to offer our support so that we don't have to eat compulsively and begin that awful cycle ever again. Three of the folks that are here today on the podcast and feel like they're virtually right next to me are Joey from Long Island, New York, Miguel from Madrid, and Eileen from Taos, New Mexico. And today we have as our special guest, Esther, and she comes to us all the way from Arabake. Oh, I just totally didn't do that right, did I? Iceland. Welcome. Welcome, Esther. So to begin with, do you remember when you realized that you first had a problem with food and what was that like? Uh, well, I think I realized that I had a problem with food very early on. Just as a child, I didn't know what it was. I, I as a child, couldn't stop eating certain things. And I, I was very sore when there was not. <laughs> But I didn't realize this, of course, uh, until much too late because uh, there was nothing in my community actually helping me understand that this was my problem. I had actually from our other 12-step programs on food addiction or compulsive eating, I had tried to to be there, but the support and uh, the food uh, specifically, uh, you know, the foods weren't uh, what I needed. You know, the gray sheet came into my life as as basically an absolute solution. Great. Okay. Also with us today is Sharon. When did you first realize that you had a problem with food? Oh gosh, Carla. So when I was six years old, I was already con- I was already aware that I ate differently to the children in the playground I was always I always noticed what they had in their lunch boxes that I didn't have and I wanted what they had <laughs> and um, I also you know I would I would go to great lengths to to get what they had without being found out you know and I knew then as a young child that I behaved differently to my peers and I I even felt deeply ashamed and separate from at that young age yeah yeah shame and and separated from yeah did you did either of you ever eat when you weren't hungry and what was that like (laughs) well uh i i think most of my life i ate when i was not hungry but i always felt hungry because there was the craving the drive to have something that was there but i always thought it was hunger when it was craving 
until after I got abstinent. That was really the first time that I got freedom from the craving. And I understood that I was full and I could feel the fullness of my meals in my body. I hadn't really felt that hardly ever since, you know, until at that time. And I was, I was like 48 when I finally got to that time in my life. I'm sorry to say. How great though, 48. Sharon? Gosh, you know what, to be honest, I, I was hungry all the time. <laughs> I had this sort of insatiable appetite. You know, those, that feeling of never being satisfied was with me from my earliest memory. And of course, I didn't realize then that I was allergic to a, a substance which created that constant feeling of being hungry all the time. Yes. Yes, for sure. Joey? I always felt that I thought I was hungry when I eat all the time. And I never knew that um, there were reasons for me to eat. You know, I could eat because I'm happy. I could eat when I'm sad, you know, and I could eat when I don't want to feel those emotions. And it's not about being hunger anymore. Yes. And for me, in addition to, you know, the cravings and the emotional eating, I was in a household where my parents had been hungry. And so being hungry, there was something wrong with that. Um, so that was, that's a piece of my story. Yeah. Carla, what, why were they hungry? Tell us more about that. They grew up in the depression and they were poor and thank you. And so, um, yeah, food was scarce and, and that, that remained a, a fear of theirs, you know, as long as they were alive. So one of the terms that we hear, um, it seems is emotional eating, eating, um, eating from feelings. Talk about that, Esther, Sharon. Well, I can start. Uh, emotional eating, uh, I think, is, is just part of the problem. It's, it's the addiction. You know, the food is what we use to, to stuff our feelings and sedate them. And, uh, and when, when, you know, when I realized what had been happening to me as an addict, a food addict, was that I had learned to deal with life and emotions with food. Uh, so when I, when I was trying and in my efforts to stop eating the foods I shouldn't, you know, I would always be bumped with my feelings. So the feelings would come up forcefully and I had no way of dealing with them except with food. So I would always go back to the food. When people talk about emotional eating, you know, the professionals talk about, well, let's just deal with the emotions and then you can just eat moderately. <laughs> but you know, we don't have that. We have a twofold disease. It is the biological part and it is the uh, mental spiritual part that the, the how to deal with life on life's terms. And that's why we have 12 step programs that deal with the two. And I think Grace Eaters Anonymous is for me, it like the, the big book is like a gift from God, my higher power. And uh, it tells us what to do with the addiction. And it also tells us the needs to be abstinence. In the beginning, we didn't know what abstinence was supposed to be, but the gray sheet came as a gift it was set up and it, it remains as the first uh, uh 
food plan for food addicts uh, that has, was set up in this world. It had never anything like that had been done. Uh, it was 1962 that they started doing this and they would send out the, the suggested plans to people around you, the U.S. To, to get some support about it. And I, I personally spoken to people that were there uh, when, when they were doing this. And uh, finally, after two years of, of uh, you know, uh, learning that we needed uh, to deal with something called addiction for, or actually for compulsive eating, you know, uh, some kind of an abstinence plan came up and, 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 you know, for us that have been gracious enough to, to, to uh, jump into it and to stay with it, it is, uh, you know, just a miracle uh, the the food plan itself is, is just a miracle. But if we wouldn't have the other, we would just continue to eat because we need, need to learn to deal with our emotions as they come up because emotions are life that's life if we didn't have any emotions you know what would you know what would be nothing would be there you know so so and life won't stop you know we don't people don't stop dying because we're abstinent we you know people get divorced we lose our jobs you know all kinds of things happen in our lives and our children's lives and, and the people around us. And uh, it's gonna be emotions, it's gonna be tough, tough things happening in our lives. And I can tell you, and I, I, I then I'm gonna look forward to hearing Sharon on this, is that that I, I have been abstinent now for 19 years and like almost five months. And uh, in all that time, I, I I need to say it because this is so much what recovery is for me, is that no matter how hard my life has been, and I tell you, I've had some rough periods in my life, things happen to my children, my family and myself, I have never needed to eat over any of those emotions. And I think that is what real recovery is about. I'm not saying that, you know, that might not happen to me, that I would go to that place. But I know it's the program that we live by that and the, 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 the abstinence that we have that gave us those gifts. What I'm reminded of listening to you, you know, you asked Carla whether or not I have an experience of emotional eating. Well, I, I, um, I grew up in an incredibly tumultuous, unstable, um, uncertain, insecure environment as a child, both parents being very mentally unwell and unable to take care of me in the way that that a child should be taken care of. So there was there was neglect and abandonment. And unbeknownst to me, I already, as, a, as I described earlier, as a young child, had the the propensity to want to reach for um, sugars, grains, and starches. I didn't know I was called to those items for their anesthetic properties. So when I ate sugar, grains, and starch, it set up the physical part of my illness, which is my allergy to these substances. And how the allergy manifests itself, besides rendering, rendering me incapable of managing the quantities I eat, is it, it has an anesthetic effect. So I could numb 
come out as a child when the when the world around me was hostile and unsafe and I used sugar grains and starch as a way of coping with my emotions as um, Esther has described and um and I didn't know that's what I was doing. It wasn't until finally finding this way of life and having those substances removed from my food plan that A, I stopped having being anesthetized, and then B, I was given a, a design for living in this way of following this way of life in Grey Sheeters Anonymous, that it replaced my using food as an anesthetic, I got a design for living as outlined in our 12-step program of recovery, which helped me to manage those, emo those emotions. And boy, did I have a lot of work to do when the food went down. I didn't have my drug of choice to go to. So <laughs> I was left with all the reasons I ate food emotionally in the first place. Um, but one of the most wonderful things of Grey Sheet, as soon as I stopped eating those foods, I was no longer in craving. After my first gray sheet meal, I remember thinking how quiet my mind was and that I didn't have that insatiable craving for more. It is absolutely miraculous for a compulsive eater of my type. I wanted to ask you, what do you think makes gray sheet different from other food addiction programs? Well, it was the food plan, number one. And, uh, and it was the daily support, those two. And then, of course, the 12-step program, a very uh, a rigid 12-step uh, program. But I think, seriously, as you were saying, Sharon, that in, I was the same way. It was like after my first gray sheet meal, after I had committed my first day, something seriously different happened to me and I felt the peace and my head was quiet. It really covers, it covers us getting enough food. It covers taking out all trigger foods. It covers that we get enough protein to, you know, to, to sustain ourselves. It covers that, you know, our hormonal and insulin system is quiet and uh, works throughout the days. Wonderful. Yes. Sharon? Well, what's so wonderful is that in Grey Sheet is Anonymous, there is a definition of abstinence. You know, there is a, there, this isn't uh, me being given the, the, the permission to define my own abstinence. You know, I had struggled with that all my life, um, you know, with huge suffering and repeated failed attempts at various ideas of what I thought was abstinence, following this diet and that diet. And, you know, and for me, defining my own abstinence never worked. And I think that is the differentiator between this fellowship and others is that there is a clearly defined definition of abstinence. And we all do the same thing. We all have the same food plan. So Esther talked about sponsorship, another recovering compulsive eater who has a sponsor, who has a sponsor, who has a sponsor. And there's this wonderful golden chain, this lineage of strong members of this fellowship who've gone before me, you know, who shine the torch on the path ahead and they, whatever life brings, I can be guaranteed that what I'm experiencing with the food on the scale 
others have been through it before me and are able to encourage me and to reassure me that I too can get through whatever adversity it is I'm facing and not have to eat. That for me is the key differentiator. And that we do this without exception. There is no excuse to not pick up the food, you know, to pick up the food. There's never an excuse. We do this at parties, at weddings, on holiday, when we're traveling, when we're with friends and family and doing our hobbies, and then it, it comes before everything. And as a result, I have a wellness, a quality of life that I've never experienced before. It's the disciplined, structured approach to a, to a, um, to a solution for for me would have been a fa critical fatal and pro yeah, a progressive illness left untreated i would have i would i wanted to die me trying to define my own abstinence so gray sheet is anonymous is very clear and then of course we don't take the gray sheet food plan and go and do it on our own we do it with others i have a sponsor who i call at the same time every day who's available to me i commit what i'm going to eat i've written it down i'm accountable to somebody for what my actions are that day and i'll be asked what are you doing to support your abstinence in between your meals it's all very well me committing three weighed and measured meals but what am i doing in between my meals to take care of myself and that's where the fellowship comes in so that's where we get to really look at our relationships and our behaviors and the activities that we're engaging in and 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 we get to ask the question does it support my abstinence or not and I get asked that by women who are who have gone before me so I can navigate this thing called life without turning to food for me the main difference was it doesn't end you know diets always end and at the end of the diet, I mean, there was a list of foods that I wasn't supposed to eat when I'm on my diet. And they're the same foods that are, I don't eat now on the Gracie. But to reward myself at the end of the diet, I would eat those foods. And there it was. I somehow thought that would be the the being of an average size or fitting into that dress would be the reward that would have me not eat those things again you know, or be able to eat them in moderation or something along that line, which was not happening, you know, and I really appreciate hearing the piece about knowing I couldn't do this alone. You know, one of the last things I tried was, well, I will just eat three meals a day, you know, and that seems like what everybody else is doing, but they were three banquets a day at some point, it ended up being that way. And then I didn't have to do that because I found all you all in our food plan. And another thing about our food plan, I just want to jump in. That's important to me is there, it, we all eat differently within our gray sheet food plan. So I eat delicious food and I enjoy my food, which I never thought was going to be possible. And, and that is just feels like a miracle. So we have heard the words food addict a few times. And I know for me, um, that was a tricky one to start off with. And I'm just, if you each would share your experience with that particular languaging. I remember in Icelandic, it was awful. <laughs> it was just like, oh my God, I don't, I did, I, I did not feel, I, I did not connect to it. And I thought it was awful that I was this uh, golden you know, it was just like I was a horrible glut. And I was supposed to say that every time I went into a meeting. 
and uh and i of course in the beginning uh didn't really know what was wrong with me i just knew that i i ate uh too much and my weight was uh skyrocketing and i wanted to kill myself uh, i was so depressed and you know my life was just you know non-existent i just know that knew that and uh and i found this way which would be basically the only thing that has ever ever and I've like so many different ways. So, but then when when I I you know when I set off to learn what was wrong with me, then I I came across the word food addiction, and I I felt that uh and I realized that what what I was suffering from like the alcoholic like the gambler like the sex addict like so many others that that deal with substances and or behaviors in the beginning i wasn't sure if this was a behavioral addiction or a substance addiction but i kind of always felt that this was the substance for me and but then i also developed behaviors uh, around like eating disorder behaviors around uh, my food addiction and uh, so, so, but when I heard about the biological part of the disease, it was such a, a relief. I realized that this is not me being a bad person or a lazy person or not doing well enough, not being bright enough. I just simply had an, a disease and I had not gotten the guidelines about it in the right way. So how could I ever do anything right with it? So, so when I learned that this was like what Sharon said, we talk about, about allergies or a brain disease, that's what the science is telling at this point. When I learned about that, that was like, blew my mind. And uh, I realized I was, we had a disease and it was an addiction. And I was addicted to certain kind of foods. And I was addicted to certain kind of behaviors around food. You said so. You said so much uh, to describe. You know what food addiction, in my experience, is. It's 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 that despite the horrendous consequences of of ingesting foods that were clearly damaging my body. I mean, if you saw photographs of me before I got gray sheet abstinence, I mean, the that I was in some kind of allergic reaction to whatever it was that I was putting into my body, just like a shellfish, somebody who's allergic to shellfish, they they can swell up, you know, if they get all they, their throats swell up, their faces swell up, their bodies swell up, and they can't breathe. And uh you know, when I ate the foods that I'm allergic to, I swelled up. I mean, I, you know, I, I kept swelling up. I was swollen and my body was inflamed. My joints ached. My blood was acidic. My, my skin was dry and pale and I had eczema. There, I mean, there was all kinds of things going on, which was so clear to me that I was in the grip of an addictive behavior because despite my attempts, I didn't want to be swollen and in pain and inflamed. <laughs> I wanted to feel well and comfortable in my skin. And yet, despite all my own attempts, I couldn't. And that's when I learned that I was 
physically addicted to sugar grains and starch. And like you shared, Esther, I was also addicted to the behaviors, the disordered behaviors, the rituals around which I tried to self-medicate. So yeah, that's my experience with food addiction, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. <laughs> I realized that I'm a low bottom case um, compulsive eater is that I remember the shaping between my legs, you know, you know, the, the, you know, there's, there's always something there that hurts. And I, I never really understand that it's just not just the physical hurt, but it's the emotional hurt, you know, the feeling that, oh, my, am I different from anybody else? And God knows, thank you. Thank you for gracious anonymous that I felt that I've been welcomed to this amazing program that you understand me. But um, I got a question for both of you. Um, when I got into the program, um, the honest to the goodness is that when I heard the word addiction or even the 12 steps, it really threw me off because I've never been to a 12 step program. Now I, I know that it's, it's, uh, it's the best gift that I ever had, you know, learning about the big book. But how would we say that to the people who just come in, you know, they're, they're looking around, scrolling at all those diet programs, and they just happen to have found Grisha's Anonymous. They went to the first meeting. What would be a nice way to say to them, to say that you're an addict, that you have a disease? It's not that you have a moral disease, a moral issue. It's just like you are addicted to sugar greens and alcohol. What would you, what would you both say to that newcomer who would just come in and, and have the same mentality when I came in? If I could start this, I think this is a really good question, Joey, and thank you for it. Uh, and I think we will probably ask ourselves this with every new person coming into our meetings because every one person is going to be you know needing something different but i think what we all need is to hear our story being told by another and of course we we start explaining what we have done and then we talk about how we changed and what has changed in our lives we need to have something interesting for them to see in order to invoke uh, hope they need to hear the story and they need to see the change that has happened in us. We can't just talk about, oh, it was so, it was so bad. We need to show the difference in spirit, you know, the difference in, in our lives, the quality of life, like you were saying, Sierra, and the difference with your bodies. You know, we need to show our bodies, we need to show our spirits and uh, our loving and kind and, and considerate and honest in, in everything that we do. And when we do that, we invoke hope for people. Whether we talk about addiction or, or you know, anything else, that comes as a continuum to a person just seeing in front of them something that they may never have seen before. You know, it tells us in our literature, doesn't it? You know, nobody can define whether or not I have an illness or whether or not I am addicted or whatever. It's only something that I learned from 
from complete suffering where I was searching and searching and searching. I didn't come to Gray Sheet and people say to me, you have an illness, you are a food addict or you are a compulsive eater. It was like Esther said, it was through people sharing their experience, strength of hope of what happened to them, what their lives were like, what happened to them and what their lives were like now as a result of following this incredible program. They exuded this wonderful sense of freedom that they found a design for living that was just extraordinary and they were experiencing being comfortable in their skin and doing activities and uh, going back to school and uh, having relationships that they uh, of a quality they hadn't experienced forever either ever at any time in their lives or um that they had missed for a long time as a result of being stuck in the in the in the suffering people don't get to gray sheet as anonymous because they were having a bad day you know that they overate at a dinner party once or twice you know we get here we suffer we suffer and i share my i'll tell you my what happened to me and I'll tell you what, what I did when I came here and how much better things are now as a result of following this way. Nobody could diagnose me. Only I could, uh, by listening to your experience, did I then realize that I'm a, I'm a food addict, compulsive eater, and that I have an illness I have no control over. Nobody told me that. Then nobody diagnosed me. Does that make sense? It was like I just heard wonderful stories of... of um, of you know testimonies of transformation that just I was so attracted to I wanted what you had and I was willing to do and I'm continuing to be willing to do whatever it takes to protect this precious precious freedom we get given here thank you so much am I even allowed to cry during a podcast it's just very emotional you know when I hear those stories yeah thank you <laughs> coming in and hearing the stories and me getting to the place where I could call myself a food addict, you know, was being able to call people and say out loud for the first time, certainly to people who were listening to me, that the things I did with food that I, you know, ate out of the garbage, you know, that I couldn't get through a turnstile anymore. And, and I felt heard and, and that helped me to come to my, you know, being able to surrender and say, yes, this is, you know, I can't do this. Help me. It took me a whole lot longer than it had to because I really thought I should be able to figure this out by myself. I'm a smart person. I'm young. I, I have a lot going for me. And that had nothing to do with anything. It, 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 I am a smart person. I did have a lot going for me. That wasn't, that wasn't a lie but I didn't know anything about how to solve this problem. And whenever I had problems in my life, the answer was always, well, can't do anything about that. You might as well eat. And so we talk about um, that we do this without exception, no matter what. What are some of the, um, the harder parts of life that you've gone through where you haven't had to eat and how does that work? Well, uh, so many difficult things have happened in my life and still do, you know, I'm faced with life on a daily basis, to tell you the truth. You know, I'm faced with uh, chairing board meetings and uh, being shunned by some other people, you know, dealing with relationships and people on a daily basis. And if I needed to, to eat every... <laughs> I, you know, I had some kind of, 
you know, things like that happening emotionally in my life, I would not be here after 19 some years for sure. I am in one place being shielded and held by the Grey Shooters Anonymous, the work and the, the program and everything within it. And then there is life and I can kind of show up for life for whatever it brings to me. Today, you know, I went walking with my little dogs this morning and met with COVID victims in next house. We've all been <laughs> coughing in two houses here for a few weeks. And, you know, it was just wonderful to get out of the house. And I had a really tough meeting to direct. And now I'm here with you. I don't know what's going to happen later today. Somebody may die. Do I need to eat over it? No, never occurs to me. Never. Myself, the self, the ego is not in control. I've somehow surrendered myself to the food plan. And as I did that, I've surrendered to uh, some kind of an energy that some people call this or that, doesn't matter. But it is an energy that I feel within myself. And every time I feel powerless, I let go into that energy and let that energy hold me and uh, work with me through whatever comes up. And this is the result of the spiritual component of, of the whole work that, that we're learning one day at a time uh, to live in, which is, yes, the food plan is necessary, but if we don't continue into the daily work with ourselves in this way, we'll go back to Eden. Everyday life is happening. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love the saying in Grey Sheeters Anonymous where, you know, we, we keep our food in one hand and our life in the other and we don't clap. And I remember, Liz, when I heard that the first time, it was just like, oh, my God, of course, you know, how and how do you do that? And like I've shared and like others have shared, it's by others' example. And so when life happens, which, of course, it does with the food on the scale, you know, when we when we talk about the no matter what, we we we're taught how to you know navigate that in 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 company of others. So I don't I don't do life's challenges by myself. So in the daily contact I have with a sponsor and doing invent regular inventory and talking to other members. I talk about the challenges in my day. And like Esther has said, oh my goodness, if you want to know why you ate, get abstinent. I'm left with I'm left with navigating relationships. How do you do that? Well, of course, when I got when I got here 16 years ago, I had no idea. And I think my biggest no matter what is being faced with the consequences of years of untreated and untreated, being untreated for an illness I didn't know I had. So there was a lot of self-neglect and self-harm and self-abandonment that went on, you know, in the years preceding the final surrender when I got here. And so there was work to be done. And that, like I said in an earlier share, the miracle is that there are there are men and women in this program who have been there before me. So there was a long road of recovery ahead for me. I didn't put the food on the scale. You know, I lost I lost all my, you know, I lost. I, physically, I recovered very quickly and um, and looked fabulous in my clothes. And But emotionally and, and psychologically and spiritually, 
there was a long road of recovery ahead but like you know I ha I've never had to do it by myself and I was able to with your help and the direction of members with more experience than me I was able to get professional and medical help you know once you know because I recognized that I had a secondary condition that needed to be treated once the food went on the scale and the magic of this program is that despite that, I mean, I would never have had the diagnosis had I still been in the food. When I, If I was still in active food addiction, I would never have been able to diagnose the secondary condition I've since had um, treatment for and recovered from by the grace of, you know, by the, by the help of this process. So that's what we mean without exception and no matter what, because otherwise I'd just be on a diet and I've, I've reached and, and exceeded my what I thought was my goal weight. I'm a, a size and a weight of inner body that I never imagined would be possible to consistently sustain. I mean, I was very good at I was a yo-yo. I was one minute I was 200 pounds and the next minute I was, you know, 120 pounds and and um and completely crazy on both ends of the scale. So to just be consistent, you know, for my height and my musculature, who knew that <laughs> that we all have different musculoskeletal systems? I mean, the why I would look at somebody with a tiny, you know, willow-like skinny frame of a skeleton and think I could ever look like that. That's not my physiology. So I've reached my basic physiology in a, sh a shape and a size that is meant for my body. And it's such a no matter what for me. It's such a without exception for me just to mm. be free. Yes. When life's harder things happen, where I used to be, oh, well, you know, my, my sister is dying. I hurt my knee, whatever the thing is. That was when it was like, oh, well, there, I've got to eat there. Of course I've got to eat, or I might think have thought that in the past or others in my life. I had, when my sister was actively dying and I was getting my meal together, um, you know, someone said, you can do that now, you know, very, just very disgusted, which I think is, is somewhat of the mainstream norm. And, but what I was able to do is to have my meal stay abstinent and be so present and available for my sister and for the people around. Like I never could have been, never could have been. It is a miracle. And I don't have to do it alone because I know that someone else in gray sheet has done that very thing. And I can call up and I can ask them, even if we've never spoken before, I can call and say, how did you do this? It's, you know, we don't have to do it alone. One thing that I've realized when you both shared about relationships, it reminded me when I first got into gray sheet, I uh, honestly, I just want to lose the weight. I was so morbidly obese that I really, really wanted to just treat it as a diet program. And then I realized that it's not just a diet program. You know, it's a spiritual program with a gray sheet, you know, contingent to what I do in a daily basis. So I lost the weight, like what you said, Sharon. Um, I, I, I gained the physical manifest, the physical thing that I never knew that I could have. And then I, I, I want to go out on dating. You know, I want to prove myself that you know what I'm eligible now. People would look at me, and thank God I have a sponsor who said to me, you know what, in a very nice, gentle sponsor said, you know what. Um, we always wait at least two years, you know, when we start doing some some major decisions. I said, okay, I'm going to trust you. Took me another six years. Then I started dating. That it did really, did I really have the right 
100% cure all way and how to deal with relationship? No, it did not. But what the food plan had given me is that when I weigh and measure my food, like what you said, food is here, life is there, they don't clap together. And, there, and, and then I, I realized that with the food plan, by weighing and measuring my food, I understand that I need help. And that's where I went to another fellowship, dealing about my relationship. And now I've realized that when I focus on my food, it gives me also this opportunity that I could focus on myself, building intimacy in myself. And that was a big thing for me. You know, I, I, I'm still learning about relationship, but boy, boy, do I know that I have a good relationship with myself first. And hopefully, in the, you know, in the future, I find somebody else. But that, 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 that makes sense that I'm happy now than I was before only because I weigh and measure my food. And like what you guys said, it's a miracle. You know, it's a gift. Yes. When you have a problem with food, you can't just stop eating mm. altogether. I mean, you have to eat to live. And I really, when I thought about um, doing this, I, I just couldn't imagine living without those foods that are actually listed on the other side of the gray sheet that I can't eat. I, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I'd want to do it. Those foods were my friends. But now in gray sheet, I've learned how to make food that I enjoy that I actually like the taste of I look forward to my meals. Never looked forward to diet food, never. And so that's why I can keep doing it. It tastes good to me, to me. It doesn't have to taste good to anybody else. And, and to what Eileen had said, my favorite slogan is there's another meal coming. Yes. I love that one. Every evening uh, when I go to sleep, I think, oh my God, I'm so looking forward to waking up to my breakfast. <laughs> here, here. Yes. It's about time for us to start closing. Well, thank you both so much for taking your time out of your busy schedules and, of course, between your meals to be with us today and talk about uh, what it is like to be a compulsive eater, food addict. Um, and, to, of course, to um, my mates, Miguel, Eileen, and Joey. Um, if you want to hear more about what we do, which, come on, I know you do please go to our website at www.graysheet.org and gray is g-r-e-y and if you have any questions for us you'd like us to answer on the podcast send an email to podcast at graysheet.org thank you everyone <laughs>